0: So we're going to learn from David today. But before I get into this, I got to pose a question to you because I have a tendency to sometimes assume people want to do what I think they need to do. I have a tendency to assume that people want to do what I think they need to do. So when I preach, a lot of times I'm just assuming that you want to change. I'm assuming that you want to be in a relationship with Jesus. I'm assuming that you want to live victorious over sin. I'm assuming that you want a great marriage. I'm assuming that you want to raise great kids. But it's just an assumption, and you know what they say about those things. So let me ask a question. Can I do that? Do you want to deal with your emotions? Do you want to deal with it? Because if you don't want to, then you might ought to skip the next couple of weeks and come after that. And we'll be on a different topic. Or you can just come and maybe the Holy Spirit will convict you to want to. I don't know. But do you want to deal with it? Because sometimes we just assume people want to deal with it, but they really don't want to deal with it. Come on, somebody. I ain't got time for this today. I ain't got the patience for this today. I ain't dealing with this today. Well, the longer you wait, to deal with it, the longer you got to deal with it, because you're already dealing with it. So we're going to get into Psalms chapter 51 in just a minute, and and I just want to, I want to show you that Psalms 51 was written from an experience David had, where he brought on some suffering on himself because of his own sin. Okay, so Psalms 51 is, is what came out of David's, David being uh, honestly exposed and rebuked by the prophet Nathan for his sin. So, so this is the beauty of the scriptures is that we get to read in Psalms what David walked through in 2 Samuel. Which is, which is incredible to me because then it shows us the process that the man after God's own heart went through to stay the man after God's own heart. How I many of you would say that's pretty exciting? So we get Psalms 51 that came out of 2 Samuel chapter 12 where David, David sinned with Bathsheba. David was supposed to be at battle and he wasn't. He was at home. He was taking a break when he wasn't supposed to be taking a break. And David's walking around this kingdom and he sees a beautiful woman bathing and he says, I got to have her. So he sends one of his servants to go, and her name happens to be Bathsheba. I think that's hilarious. I don't care what you say. She's in a bath, and her name's Bathsheba. Come on, tell me God ain't got a sense of humor. I mean, why it couldn't be like like Susie? It's Bathsheba. Sheba, you're bathing. Anyway. <laughs> so David, David calls for her, then David sleeps with her. They commit adultery and then then what happens is she becomes pregnant because that's what happens when you commit adultery. That's what happens when two people have, anyway, another, another topic another day. She becomes pregnant. David's in a dilemma. What do we do? How do we hide it? How do we cover it up? He says, that's the first response to sin is when something, when there's a consequence of that sin, the first thing we go to is, how do I cover it? How do I hide it? How do I keep everybody from knowing it? What can I do to prevent it from being exposed? And so now, the the sin that you thought was going to be so great becomes a thorn in your side now because now you're spending all your time trying to cover it and hide it. You see, that's the part of sin that Satan don't tell you about when he's tempting you. He just tells you what it's going to feel like and what it's going to be like when you get there. But nobody shows you what the opposite side is going to look like once you've done it. Oh, great, that was good. Now what? Now I got to live this life of a cover-up, of a hiding, of a of a, of excuses of lies it's almost like a prison and so david goes into recovery mode he says i know what i'll do i'll bring her husband uriah home from battle and make him stay home with his wife and then we'll say that that's his baby that was a great plan it's just Uriah was such a loyal man, he didn't go home because he was like, well, if I am go home and my brothers are out there battling and they can't go home, then I ain't going home. I'm going to sleep at the king's house. And David tries twice to get him to go home and sleep with his wife, and it doesn't happen. Until finally David comes to the conclusion, I got to get rid of him. So he sends a letter to the battlefield to put Uriah on the front lines so that he would be killed. And sure enough, Uriah is killed. In battle. Then David takes Bathsheba into his house. And he thinks he's gotten away with it. <clears throat> I don't know what all he was thinking. But I, it, it seems like he thinks he was getting away with it. Seems like he, he's, he was like, you know what? This is going to work. We might have just done it. I might have just got away with this sin. The funny thing about God is is he knows everything. Shucks. God sees everything. In fact, he knows the motivation of your heart before you even get to that thing. That's why he's able to send the Holy Spirit to come and help you before you get to that thing. That's why he said there's always a way out. There's always a door of escape. There's always an exit. In your temptation, there is always an exit if you'll take it. There's no temptation that will overcome you that you say, well, I couldn't help myself. No, no, no. You didn't want to help yourself. So David thinks he's gotten away with it and he continues with his life. And we pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 to 7. I would encourage you to read chapter 12 it's very very good. So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. I think this is incredible. God sends Nathan with a story. This is God's story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many of sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from, his, from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. Listen to these words. David was furious. Furious. David's listening to this story, rich man's got a lot, poor man's got one, rich man takes from poor man to satisfy his needs, and leaves the poor man hanging, and David gets furious. Is that an emotion? I think so. (laughs) David gets furious. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. Oh, be careful what you say when you're getting mad and you're caught up in sin because it'll come back to get you. <laughs> Any man that would do something like this deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he's stolen and for having, for having no pity. Then Nathan bust him. <laughs> That's what I read. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you as king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. Saul, You are that man. You are that man. You are that rich man that stole that poor man's little lamb. What was happening in this moment is God was exposing David's sin. The minute you think you get away with it, God's about to bust you. You are that man. Oh, think about that. Think about how David's feeling right now. He was just mad at the dude in the story, right? That's that's a cool y'all. He shouldn't do stuff. He needs to die. <laughs> I bet I was going. You're right. He probably does need to die. You are that man. David gets exposed. And then what happens after this, I don't have time to read it at all, but I would encourage you to read it, is that, is that Nathan begins to tell David what's getting ready to happen. He's getting, he's, he tells him what's, what the consequences of his sin are going to be. And then when you read 13 all the way like to 20 or so on, you get to read what happens. You get to read the consequences of David's sin. And that's another message for another time. But David now... We bring our attention back to David. David now knows that God knows about his sin. I don't know if he was thinking God didn't know. I don't know if he was thinking, man, God was on recess. (laughs) He didn't see it. (laughs) Or Maybe he was looking at somebody else on the other side of the planet and I got away with it. I don't know what he was thinking, but whatever he was thinking, he was living like he got away with it. But now he knows that God knows about his sin. And the anger he, he dished out towards the rich man was the very same anger that God wanted him to point back at himself for his own injustice and his own sin. Oh, you're angry at that guy, but what about yours? His emotions are speaking loud in this moment. Think about it. He went from being furious at somebody else's sin to being convicted right then and there of his. In a moment, in a moment, it was pointing the finger at somebody else. Always be careful when you're pointing your finger at somebody else. Am I in the right church this morning? Always be, always be cautious because when you're doing this, there's at least four, three or four of them pointing back at you. In fact, I know I get in trouble the minute I start pointing my finger at other people. And I thank God for this as I can still hear the Holy Spirit say to me when I'm casting judgment on other people, and I'm talking about them. I'm feeling good, confessing some things. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm talking about somebody, well, I wish they would do this. And if they would do this, then they could fix their life. If they would do this, and would... when I'm saying those things, you know what? I'm so grateful that I can still hear the Holy Spirit say, yeah, bro, but what about you? I pray to God I don't lose that. That's what shuts me up. (laughs) David has a choice in this moment. Just like all of us have a choice when we're convicted of sin or we're going through something. He has a choice to listen or not. You ever expose one of your kids, bust them, and they have a choice? What are their choices? What are our choices? We can deny it. We can lie about it. We can try to justify it, right? We say, oh, well, if this wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have had to do this. And if I would have been born to this family, then I would have been able to do this. It's my last name, God. It's my last name. (laughs) We We can run from it. Because let's be real honest this morning. Sometimes we don't want to hear about it, do we? Hmm. Sometimes we don't want to hear about our sin. Sometimes we don't want to hear about the problem. Sometimes we just don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it right now. Well, the longer you keep not listening, the longer you're going to keep dealing with it. Amen? So David had a choice. Here's the beauty of it. If you will stay engaged and own what you need to own, you will walk out of it with a greater perspective than you ever did before. you got to remember that even after David slept with another man's wife and he killed that man, that he was still called a man after God's own heart. But you got to stay. David had something that we need, and that's what I'm trying to bring out today. He has has something that we need. There's something that I want to point out today. David knew how to stay in the presence of God. He knew how to stay in a rightful place with God, even when he had failures. David leaves that moment with Nathan, and Nathan tells David, he says, the son that that Bathsheba's carrying right now is going to die. And then he tells him your house is going to be divided against itself and it's going to live and die by the sword. Last week we talked about how his own son Absalom tried to kill him and take him out of the kingdom so he could be king. It all comes to pass. (laughs) There's one thing, you can be forgiven of sin, but there's always consequences with sin. Come on. But I believe this is... This is where we see what David had that we need because David leaves that moment with Nathan and he gets alone with God. Getting alone with God is the best thing we can ever do. going to say that one more time. Getting alone with God is the best thing we can ever do. Now, I'm, I'm just assuming everybody knows what that means, so I'm just going to take a minute and explain that. You see, the reason we're in a relationship with God and not in a religion with God is because religion doesn't know how to communicate with God, but a relationship does know how to communicate, right? And so if you're in a relationship with God, then that means you talk to him and he talks to you, right? You can't be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't talk back. Even deaf, mute people can sign language back. They can still communicate, right? And we can be in a relationship. So there's no excuse. If you're going to be in a relationship with God, then there's going to be communication going that way and communication coming back. The thing David did was he pushed everything away from himself and he got alone with God. this is so good. He didn't tweet it. He didn't announce it. He didn't post it what was getting ready to happen. What did he do? He stopped everything, pushed everything aside, and he went to a quiet place, and he got alone with God. Listen to me. If you're a born-again believer, you have the right to talk to God, and then you have the right to listen to God. You can hear him. You've been given that right, and don't let a man or don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that you don't. You've been given that right to be in a relationship. Jesus died on the cross so that the sin that was in the way could be washed away so that you could become alive again and be in a relationship with God. We're restored. We've been brought back. Come on. Even when you sin. That's what we just did with communion. Why do we remember once a month what the blood does? because we're human and we forget because we have an enemy who tries to lie to us and tell us well, that the, the blood ran out there's no more blood for you <laughs> you've used up all your blood psalms 51 is where we get to hear david with god I'm so grateful Let me, let me say one more thing about spending time with God alone. This is not something you do on the fly. We need to establish this today. This is not, this is not McDonald's. You don't drive through, get you a little confession and a little healing and a little cleansing and, and then drive on in five minutes, you're done. No. You got to stay in that moment long enough for God to cleanse you. When you little kids go outside and they play in the mud all day and they smell like the outside, I'll keep it nice. They smell like the outside and they want to come in your house all full of mud. What do you do? You, you make them strip at the door, right? Until they're about 12 or 13 years old and it just gets real awkward. You make them strip at the door. What you do? You take time and you hose them off. Why? Because you don't want that stuff in your house, but it takes time to clean, right? How many of you clean your house in five minutes? I didn't think so. How many of you clean your car in five minutes? I didn't think so. Even the drive through is not fast enough to be five minutes. And I don't care if it's $5, it's still going to be five minutes. Take time, take enough time to be cleansed. Don't rush this. This is the last thing on the planet you need to rush. Listen to what David says. Have mercy on me, O oh God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, Blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Listen to this. You will be proved right in what you say about me, and your judgment against me is just. Get yourself in that position where you look to God and you say, you know what, I've been a knucklehead, I've been in rebellion, I'm sinning, I can't sleep, I'm tormented. Whatever you say about me is right, and whatever you do to me is just, just do it. I just want to be cleansed. You don't get that in five minutes. You don't get there in five minutes. God loves you and he wants to spend time with you. Because when God cleans something, he cleans it all the way. David starts to get what his emotions are saying to him in this moment. His prayer was the result of him listening to his emotions. Think about it. There had to be something in David when Nathan calls him out that that, that causes him to go get along with God. What is that thing that motivated him to push everything else away and get along with God? What was that? Because that might be the thing you're missing today. That, That motivation to get along with God. That motivation to go and get it right no matter what it takes. What was that? What was that that caused David to do that? I believe it's emotional health. I believe it's David not only the Holy Spirit but I believe it's emotional health that David understood my emotions are telling me something right now i 'm being weighed down by guilt i'm being tormented by my shame i'm being I'm being bombarded by what I did. What is he saying? My emotions are a wreck right now i don't like to be this way. Your emotions are a messenger to you. It's one of God's helpful ways of saying, you need to come to me right now and sort this out so that we can get this straight. Are you hearing me today? The Holy Spirit convicts us, but he also shows us what we're feeling. If God wouldn't use emotions, he wouldn't have given them to us. And by no means am I saying emotions are better than the Holy Spirit. I think it's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to what our emotions are saying to us. Why walk around with all that pain? Why walk around with all that guilt and that shame being weighed down and tormented? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Go get it right. Go get it right now. Don't wait. Get it right now. it was a confession of guilt his guilt told him that he was wrong and that he was in need of greater help he realized he actually hurt or who he actually hurt with this decision he realized in that moment he was rebellious and he had what was and he did what he had done what was evil in god's sight he hurt god You see, because David paid attention to what was going on inside of him, he was able to get into a moment with God where he could then bring confession and receive forgiveness and then receive cleansing and then be able to repent from that. A guilty man doesn't repent. A man that's been cleaned repents. If you're guilty and you're trying to repent, you're doing everything in your own strength. But once you go to the Father, like, like 1 John says, and you confess your sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, and then part two is to cleanse you of your sin, then you have the freedom and the ability to repent and go the other way. But you can't repent until there's been confession, forgiveness, and cleansing. Otherwise, you're just trying to walk in a different direction with the wrong motivation. This is making sense. <clears throat> how do we arrive where David is? How do we get to this place where David How can we be like David is in this moment? When things come at us whether it's our own sin, somebody else's sin, life circumstances, events, people just trying to hurt us, whatever it is, how do we get to where David is in this moment? I think we I think I have the answer. And I want to share it with you. I'm going to give you the, the flip side of it before I give you the rest of it. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 20. Nathan had said, you're going to lose this son. Watch this. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. After that, he returned to the, to the palace and was served food. And eight, David did what we all need to do. David stopped. David stopped. He stopped and he dropped everything to take care of what was wrong. We have to refuse to let our busy schedules get in the way of us taking care of the most important things in our lives. I'm going to say that one more time. We have to refuse to let our busy schedules get in the way or become an excuse for us to stop and make things right. We got to refuse. He understood that what he was going through was more important than what he was going to he stopped. He stopped and he spent time with God. I have to get right before I can help others get right. A wrong me doesn't help anybody get right. Say amen. He got down and he got dirty with this stuff, but that's why I asked you the question on the front side, do you even want to deal with it? Because if you don't want to deal with it, then you forget the rest of the message. Because the reality is, is David stopped and he dealt with his stuff. He dealt with his sin. He had to stop for a moment and stand on the cleansing rack and let God wash this stuff off of him. Some of us don't want to do that. He stopped. Sometimes we believe that our sin is final. Like, like we live our whole lives, ju- the goal is just to not Sin. And when we do sin, whatever that big one is, whatever your scale is or your, your level is, when we do sin, then we go, okay, it's over with. I don't even want to deal with it. No, I'd just soon be a cool the rest of my life. Do you even want to deal with it? David wanted to deal with it. David understood that what he went through wasn't nothing compared to what God was bringing him to. Amen. That the other side of repentance, the other side of cleansing, the other side of forgiveness was so much greater than this side of guilt and shame that I'm going to go through the muck, the mud, the dirt, That I'm going to confess, I'm going to own, I'm going to take responsibility. Lord, bring what you need to bring against me. Just purify my heart. David stopped. He stopped. I want to use that acronym this morning, stop. S-T-O-P, and I want to add a P to it. I'm going to get real practical on the end of this message. S means to stop. We need to just pause for a moment. We need to learn how to get alone with God. It's worth the paying somebody to come babysit your kids if you need to get alone with God. Best 50 bucks you ever spend. Babysitters are 50 bucks? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get alone. Get to a quiet place. Pause everything for a moment. Hit the pause button. You gotta, you gotta get this one because you see when Cheryl and I go through some some, some things that are emotional or we go through some some hard times, we, we've learned that you gotta drop what's going on to go get right what's wrong. Which means this I'll call into work, not coming. I've done this. Me and Cheryl will be fighting and things ain't right between us. I'll call Pastor Bob. I can't make it. What's wrong? Me and Cheryl are fighting. You know how to fix this? Humble yourself, say you're sorry. (laughs) Give me some wisdom on the fly, and I'm like, it's so much bigger than this. (laughs) But I stop. Nothing else on the planet is more important than what is going on inside of me right now. I'll miss a trip. I'll miss a meal, believe it or not. Two if I got two. I've done that in the past. Miss everything. Why? Because what's going on inside of me is so critical. It's so crucial. And it needs to be made right now. Now. We don't wait because when you wake up in the morning, it doesn't magically go away. It just multiplies. It's like a chia pet. You put water on it and it just grows more stuff. Right? Isn't it true? You don't just oh deny it, I'll sleep it off, and when I wake up in the morning, it's going to all be better. Well, first of all, you ain't going to sleep, and the morning's going to come quick, and it's not going to be any better. David pushed everything aside. He shut everything down. You want to know why he was getting up off the floor? You want to know why he went and had to go bathe and put some lotion on? Because he was crusty. Because he was stanky, because he was dirty, because he pushed everything else aside. He hadn't eaten for days. He was on the floor for days, crying out to God to forgive him of his sins and to cleanse him and to create a pure heart inside of him, crying out for his baby boy not to die, begging that God would not do it. He was willing to do whatever it took to make it right. He, his, he, he saw the emotion or he felt the emotions of what his sin caused. He seen the destruction that it caused. What was he trying to do? God, created me a new heart. God, take this, this evil out of me. Take this impurities out of me. Lord, create in me a pure heart, a clean heart, a heart that brings honor to you, Lord. What was he doing? He was making the relationship right again. That's the most important thing you can ever do. It comes before everything else. This doesn't matter how old you are. You can be 15, 13, 12 years old. It doesn't matter. You can be 88. It doesn't matter how old you are. It still applies today. Amen. David stopped. T. David took a breath. You need to take a breath sometimes. Sometimes. My wife and I have this little thing when we start to get riled up—not at each other, but we get riled up with our kids mostly. And and we know each other well enough now that we start to—we can identify when the other one's getting a little anxious. <clears> to <throat> keep it clean, she'll usually—if it's me—she'll usually put her hand on my knee, and she'll kind of start tapping. And I'm like, "What's She's like, "Breathe," and she'll look at me, she'll, "Breathe, just." Breathe. I don't want to breathe. <laughs> to which sometimes she probably needs to say, well, then don't breathe. Might be the best thing for the whole situation if you pass out. But her, her helping me is saying, just breathe. Take a breath. Stop. And Maybe you say, I need to do that. I need to learn to stop. Take a breath. There's power in catching your breath. You can't identify anything if you're on the fly. you got to stop and take a breath. Oh, you need to observe. What are your thoughts right now? Where is your focus? Right, My focus is on killing them, taking them out. What are you reacting to? You need to observe what's going on in your body. Last week we talked about how you need to pay attention to your heart rate. Need to pay attention to your pulse, your breathing, your posture. Are you ready to fight? Are you ready to run? What are your fists looking like? Your hands, are they clenching? Pay attention to yourself right now. Observe what's going on. P is to pull back. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just pull back. Walk out of the situation. Pull back. And put in some perspective. What if you stopped, took a breath, observed what was going on in you and around you, and then pulled back for just a minute to put in some perspective? Which means this. What's the bigger picture? What's the bigger picture here in this moment? What's the bigger picture? Is what I'm upset about worth making everybody upset about? Is what I'm feeling and I want to do right now worth the damage I'm going to put out? What's the bigger picture? In week one of our life group's Jennifer gave us a handout, and it's a helicopter landing pad. And it talks about having a helicopter view of your situation. Some of us need to fly a little bit higher and get a different perspective of what's going on, and realize this really isn't all that bad. I can slow down. I can process. I can calm down. I can let the Holy Spirit begin to fill me and flood me with love and perspective. I can go to God with this thing before I go to people, and I can get a different perspective. I can get His helicopter view of what's going going on pull back put some perspective in it is it worth fighting about or is this something i just need to communicate is it fact is it fiction how important will this be in 6 months am i going to look back one day and be embarrassed by what i'm about to do What would a trusted friend say to you right now? And then the last P is this, is to practice what works and then proceed. What's the best thing to do right now? What's best for me, for others, for this situation? How do I honor God with this thing? David stopped and he got alone with God. And he processed it out with God. We learned a word last week called lamenting. I don't know if you practice that this week or not, but lamenting is one of the most powerful things you can do. What is lamenting? It's a powerful expression of how you feel. David, when you read Psalms, you read David pouring it out to God. How it feels, what it feels like, what happened, what's going through his mind. He's just pouring it out on God. He's lamenting. We talked about how when you lament... The power of lamenting is you get to hear yourself telling God what's going on inside of you. It's almost like the trailer at the end of a movie. You get to see who all was in it and what was true. Oh, that's the name of that song. And the trailer's going up, right? When you're lamenting, you're throwing all this stuff that's inside of you out to God, and you're hearing it, and you're seeing it, and then you get to process it. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and goes, that's true, that's false, that's false, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Get that out of here. That's true, that's true. No, that's a lie. Well, we're going to fix that. You don't get that with silence of the lambs. You get that with lamenting. You can't lament on the fly. You can't lament in your pickup truck going to the next job. What did David have that we need? David knew that my greatest resource, my greatest source of hope my greatest source of redemption and recovery, the only way I come out of this better than I went in it is with God. David knew that I can't run from this thing. I can run from it and I can run from God, but I can only run for so long before it catches me. So I can't outrun it. I can't bury myself from it. I can't distract it. I can't medicate it. I got to go get it. Amen. I got to go get it. That's what David had that we all need. Is that he took the time to process what he was feeling. To listen to what it said. As he spent it with God. And he came out of it with a better perspective. His confession in Psalms 51 was as pure as it gets. I have been rebellious, God. Notice God never had to say, David, you're being rebellious. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. God never had to do that. What happened? David got alone with God. He lamented. And what came out of his lament was, I've got rebellion in my heart that needs to come out. I'm not as good as I thought I was. I'm not as holy as I thought I was. I'm not as perfect as I thought I was. There's still, I still got some dark corners in my heart that need to come out. There's some things inside of me that need to come out. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I don't have any of that, then pride needs to come out. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Spiritual blindness needs to come out. Is this making sense? What are they telling me?